Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 song does my head in but let's put that to one side shall we hello it's been a while welcome to culture fear um if this is your first culture fear then i imagine the brilliance of lou has brought brought you here and you'll be hearing a lot of lou coming up um and i am your host sean uh, thank you so much for listening. If this isn't your first Culture Fear and you listen to this uh, podcast, then welcome back. All I can do is apologise for how long it's been since the last episode. Um, I guess my head's just like, start of um, lockdown, I was like churning out loads and it was really, 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 really good for my productivity. And then when I felt like I didn't want to make podcasts, I kind of just went with that really. Um, I guess that time has been uh, spent making uh, radio shows under the name Culture Fear. If you want to listen to them, look up our Mixcloud. It's at Culture Fear on Mixcloud. That's been amazing. It's been really cool to like, it's every other week it's uh, put, it it initially goes on the Food Hole Community Radio show, um, radio outlet online and then I put it up on my Mixcloud. That's been really, really great. Just like going through old records and just like picking records out that I think people enjoy. Check that out. That's at Mixcloud. Um, as far as the podcast goes, I do have a few in the can um, that, I, uh, that I've done. I've got a few in mind once that I thought I'm not going to record any until I've got some out. But I've got a few in mind where I spoke to people that I'm sure be like really amazing and like really like get my mind going um, and just hearing people talk about their experiences and I can't wait to have those podcasts I can't wait for you to hear some of the podcasts that we have coming up as well Um, yeah so I guess moving on to this podcast it's why you're here Um, I had a great chat with Lou probably a few months ago Um, time just has gone so fast Um, It feels like when you look back this year, at the moment, unfortunately, I'm stuck in my isolation station. Um, Fortunately, myself and my partner have no symptoms, but we're exposed to a friend that unfortunately did test positive for COVID. Um, If you're in that same situation and like, I guess you've got to just sit with it, but reach out to some pals. It's all good. It's all good. Um, But yeah, Lou. Um, Lou, I guess I met Lou through the band Caves, was fortunate enough to tour, was fortunate with them, was fortunate enough to um, see them play Lowe's, was fortunate enough to like hear their records in the first place. Um, amazing band. Um, Lou really was like huge, huge for me as a young as a young man, I guess, as a young person, late teens, early twenties for like me like coming to accept myself. Um, I don't think that that's anything that Lou tried to do. I think that's just Lou being Lou um, was able to do that. Lou being honest, just being a friend, I guess. Um, And that's incredible. She is an incredible, incredible human being. And I'm so glad I had to have this conversation where we talked about so much 
that I'd never spoken about with her. Um, and just, but like every conversation with Lou, it's always an absolute pleasure to see Lou, especially now that um, she lives on the other side of the Atlantic and it's like not as often. And I guess now it won't be anywhere near as often as the once a year that I was seeing her. But um, yeah, I think you're going to love this conversation. We didn't even, spoiler alert, but we didn't even get onto caves. That is how much we just talked about interesting stuff from before that time. I can't wait to have Lou back for a second podcast where we talk about caves and what come after there because there's so much that came after there um and during caves they were definitely probably the busiest band for a few year period of like that i that i was seeing it was incredible and they put out some great records um and i'm sure they will continue to do so in the future um before i get on to the podcast i just want to say huge thanks as well to liam who continues to mix and edit these podcasts um as you can hear like the editing is not massive i like to just let the conversations go and keep the conversations as they are but um liam really 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 helps with it all and i'm just indebted to liam for that so thank you so much if you yourself have a podcast where you want a bit of help when it comes to the audio i would recommend hitting liam up that's at liam c audio on twitter um if you don't have a podcast you but you've got an idea for it again hit him up he's such a comfortable person to work with he makes this stuff sound great I re- and I'm, I'm, I believe he's got a bit of time that he wants to be working with people especially people at the start of like just with an idea and I think he'd be the best person for you to reach out to so if you have those ideas do it because the more ideas that people are doing off their own back for the things that they enjoyed like the better the world is honestly um, so much so much joy all the joy in the world comes from that and then people get to just pluck off things from it so if you've got an idea fucking do it no matter what it is no matter what it is if it's creative do it um i hope you enjoy this podcast let me know how you're getting on please check out that radio show if you want some new tunes if you want to hear some old classics if you just want a little bit of me rambling but like mainly it's just bangers um hit me up as well if you want to we're on all the socials at culture fear thank you so much for listening enjoy my conversation with lou Hey Lou, how are you doing? Hi Sean, how's it going? I'm good. <laughs> good, good. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll like get straight into this. So yeah, like you're you always like have a blow me away with like your amazing like expertise and like just uh, and like with different instruments. No, and um, like um, yeah, like your drumming is like like you're one of my favorite drummers to watch. But I reckon that like it's like such a small like fraction of like the times I've seen you playing music is like playing drums, which is so interesting, I guess. It's funny with, with drums. I think like when, uh, like years ago, I always, always considered myself more of a drummer than like anything else. And then like, it was like, starting and being in like bands where I've been like the main songwriter and guitarist and singer and then later being in like other people's bands and sort of learning that I can actually be those things on guitar and bass for other people and then it's yeah I realized I can do other things 
And it's funny because now I'm living in West Philly, like Philly and I guess New York, but I think Philly has the highest percentage of amazing drummers who I love in the entire <laughs> world. What are you if you want to be a drummer? <laughs> There's so many fucking amazing drummers in the city. So uh, I have not really been playing any drums in Philly for Philly bands. Yeah, because normally it's like, <laughs> you know, there's just drummers are so few and far between. Maybe that's like a geographical thing where, you know, like Philly, so many of the houses have like basements. So it like, you're able to play drums a little bit easier and things. I don't know what the reason is, but that's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I have a bit of a theory that like in the States, uh, you can learn drums to be in marching band or whatever they call it. Ah, yeah. And, like, you learn at school, like, you know, your rudiments, your snare rudiments, and you get really good on that just by, like, doing it at school, whereas we don't have that in the UK, you know. So most drummers in the UK, you know, for DIY punk, haven't had that, you know, marching band schooling, which basically makes you a good drummer. I suppose, in some ways. Yeah, it makes you like, I guess, yeah, it gives you that learned theory yeah. straight away. Yeah, it gives you that technique that, you know, if you're into other kinds of music, you just, like, the muscle memory is there from when you were a kid, and then, oh, you can be in this band that you actually really love the music of and oh yeah i can play drums and then you're like the best most tasteful punk drummer in all the land (laughs) (laughs) so yeah the punk drummers are like super tight in 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 america where maybe it's in on a different kind of level to the uk oh yeah um and so was were drums your was that your first instrument drums um well i guess I divide myself up into like classical instruments and basically rock stuff. So like, yeah, drums was my first instrument that I said I played in terms of playing in bands. Like when I was, I started playing the flute and the piano when I was about eight. Uh, So I sort of had a, this whole, I guess, classically trained classical training on the flute and then later the bassoon because I chose to do that too much competition with playing the flute just too many people play the flute so you can't (laughs) you know who gives a shit but if you choose the bassoon then you get the good you get the good gigs you see (laughs) it sounds so much better anyway so I did all that and I guess I started my dad taught me open chords on guitar when I was maybe about 11 or 12. Yeah. Just like, you gave me a, like a, like an acoustic, you know, Spanish nylon string guitar just to have a bash about on. And he just taught me basic chords. So I just, you know, played on that at home every now and again. Uh, And then, yeah, I was like listening to Queen one day. In my deepest Queen obsession days. And uh, 
And I was like, oh, I, I wouldn't mind playing the drums on this. I can hear the drum beat. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. And then I think it was something like the Spin Doctors, you know, that song Two Princes. I, uh, I had it on cassette and I listened to that on, on, the, on the school bus one day. I could not stop listening to it. I was like, wow, these drums are amazing. And then I just started wanting to play drums. So I guess that was my first instrument in terms of, you know, rock and pop stuff. Yeah, but instruments were always there then. Yeah, it's funny. At ju- uh, no, infant school it was. I, uh, they, um, they, like, started giving recorder lessons to everyone. It, who, who, were, who was, you had to play a few notes or like play this passage. And if you were good enough, they would give you lessons. And I wasn't good enough to play, to learn recorder. <laughs> Damn. So uh, no recorder for me in uh, infant school. And then I think my parents just wanted me to like do something, you know, like I guess parents are quite eager to, oh yeah, no, we need to, you know, give our child some extracurricular stuff. Yeah. At a young age, what it, you know. And I think they borrowed a flute from somebody and I was able to make a sound with it. I don't know how. But anyway, it was, I started having lessons. And then we go, yeah, so the flute was my very first actual music making experience, I suppose. Yeah, did that stick around? So that, that um, how long did the flute and the, the, the what they, wind the wind in- instruments stick around for before you got onto the more, like before you got into drums? Well, it was pretty concurrent. It was very side by side, actually. Yeah. Until, like I went to university to do music. So cool. that was like a half pop, half classical course. So I did like a, I did a bassoon recital and that was like the last thing I did before finishing university kind of thing. And I was like, fuck that. I'm out of here. I've I've barely touched it since. (laughs) So, but like I started drums, I started playing drums in a band, my high school band when I was about 15. Okay, cool. In our mate's garage in the village, his his parents' garage. Every Saturday afternoons it was. Nice. What was the band like? Uh, Hilarious is what we were like. We were called Casserole. (laughs) (laughs) and uh we i kind of learned how to be in a band from that i think yeah i I was only in it because uh russ uh found out i had a drum kit and he was like all right well let's let's do you'll be in the band then i was like all right (laughs) and he was like well you know you got a drum kit so there it is simple as that so yeah, I learned it was a. That luckily, I st- I started saving up to buy this drum kit from like when I was I was working in a garden center every Sunday. I've been doing that for a few months, and then yeah. and then my dad, bless him, he bought me a drum kit as a present. Oh, amazing! One of these starter kits, it was. You know the you know you get sort of yeah yeah three three tiny symbols and. You know, you, it's it's like you know plastic skins and stuff, and but it was it was brand new, and it was you know 
it was like my first drum kit. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, played that every, I had, yeah, every Saturday afternoon we um, jammed out casserole, the casserole jam every Saturday afternoon, like hours we'd spend and like we'd record on one of those little mono cassette recorders. We, I think we recorded like three 90 minute albums. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. I I think they'd be hilarious to listen to. Yeah. And then I guess, yeah, the next 15 years of your life was recording albums all the time, but not as long as the f- the first three that you wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Or put, or put together. Yeah. <laughs> the albums ever made. They probably, they're probably uh, better than some of the things I've done. <laughs> <laughs> what was, so was that your own, were you just like, just literally just jamming or were you writing your own tunes or were you playing covers or just all free? Everything. Yeah. You name it. Yeah. And like, I don't know if I was writing. I don't, I wasn't writing songs at the time. I think I tried to. And like, I sort of brought it to the group and it just, it was, they were shit. <laughs> <laughs> so like, well, we never did them. I'm like, okay. So that was a, a funny, like early, like quality control lesson. I, because, well, I guess when you're writing these seminal 90 minute albums, <laughs> there's just no space for one of like the drummer's songs, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Well pointed out. Not good enough, Lou. I'm in like 60 minutes. <laughs> but like, yeah, we sort of work out a few things, you know, that like either the guitarist or the bassist had written it a few times and then record it. And sometimes you'd just leave the, leave the recorder running and somebody would start playing, like... I remember Russ started playing, like, Mean Mr. Mustard or something. You know, that Beatles tune from Abbey Road. And I, I'd heard it. I was like, oh! So I, like, came in with the fill. And, like, then we... So we ended up recording that. And it just ended up in this jam amazing yeah so like i guess i learned how to just like you know you learn how to you don't stop you know if you make yeah. a mistake it just fucking carry on that's so cool and sounds so like i don't know the the right word but just like what a beautiful way to like learn your instrument with friends yeah it's like no fear you know you don't there's nothing to worry about you're just in the in you with your mates in a in a garage just like trying to, you know, make a noise that sounds half listenable. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And then was that your only band until you got to university? Uh, yeah, well, we we became less of a garage jam band and we started playing in um, little tiny venue clubs I suppose in Cheltenham like we played we ended up like supporting did we end up supporting anyone I can't remember but that was like my first taste of oh we played a proper gig and and that was in Cheltenham yeah played the Axiom and we did we played the Guildhall in Gloucester as well That, that was huge for me like I used to go and see bands at 
the Guildhall and the Axiom and all those places. There's a few other places. I'm blanking on the names of them. But we ended up, you know, we got the the local band covers, uh, you know, the local band support slot. When yeah, I, you were able to, to grab a few of those slots. Yeah, so I, I guess I started doing that. That was when I was about 16, I suppose. 16 to 18, had a few a few shows yeah what shows were you going to then was 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 you going to bristol at all or was it like gloucester and cheltenham for well, bands that you wanted to see yeah well so this was 1995 so yeah fucking you know epic brit pop years yeah cultural revolution yeah happening i was right there i was in the thick of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all my life I, I have to say like so I would. I went to the, one of the first like shows where I'm like, oh wow, this is like relevant on 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 the radio at the moment. Was it was Shed Seven with Supergrass supporting? Wow. Okay. So this was in. This could have been like this was either late '94 or I think it might have been in. I don't know, early '95 maybe, but it was like Shed Seven's first record. I loved. I listened to it. Actually, a couple of months ago, still stands up. I nice, nice. Love that record. So it was them, Supergrass. They had just released their second, uh, the second single, which I think was Man Size Rooster. Maybe that was their first one. Anyway, they they were on their second seven inch, and like so, I used to go to those shows in the Guildhall. And I quickly found out that if I volunteered to sweep up at the end, I could get in for free. Amazing. So signed myself up and I was like going to gigs like maybe twice a week, like turning up early as well, like helping prep and load load gear. Like I loaded in Kanicki's gear one time. That was cool. Loaded that in is cool. Kanicki's gear one time. Fucking brilliant. Karis Matthews. Love the pants out of Karis Matthews. What a fucking, what a, what a legend. She's fucking great. Watching her sound check was like pure laughs. What yeah. A, yeah. Uh, I've forgotten about that. <laughs> uh, so like Blue Tones came through. They were nice. Like, you know, I'd have to sort of go and drop towels off in the backstage area. And it was like, what a, fucking great thing to do when you're 15 16 and kind of you know inspired by all this stuff i used to listen to steve lamack and joe wiley every night oh yeah yeah session then it was mark and lard after that like you know i was doing my my homework and stuff listening yeah them and then john peel so i you know spend all week listening to the radio and like if you know it's the sort of time when you missed if you missed it i'd I'd like set my uh stereo to record if i if i had to miss it i'd record them (laughs) and listen to them on saturdays and sundays that's so cool and then you're like hearing a band oh this is cool and then you're like oh they're playing down the road soon yeah you know because i guess there's so you're listening to so much music that at the time i like i imagine was so like there was so much British music that those DJs were playing as well yeah. that like there's so much of it that some of it's going to be coming through at some point. Totally. Yeah. Like, and sometimes you would sort of in, you would see them in, see the same band like 
two or three times in six months, maybe. Like, like Manson came through. They were. I watched him play in the Axiom in Cheltenham to like nobody, and then yeah. three months later, I think they just had a big ish. You know, big for me, single. That the yeah. session were like parroting. And then saw them at Gothic Guild Hall, and that was like 300 cap venues sold out. I was, it was amazing. It was so exciting to see. So, like, I wouldn't really get further than Gloucester or Cheltenham, but loads of bands were coming through. Um, I did go to Bristol a couple of times. One notable occasion was to see Sleeper. Loved it. <laughs> epic, epic fan of that band. That was good. All right, yeah. I went to so many gigs in the, like in my uh, in those years, like ninety five, ninety six, and ninety seven. Yeah. And was was that um, was like Liverpool a big city for for music at the time as well? When you got there, was was that what you wanted to immerse? Obviously, you're immersing yourself in playing like music on the course, but you, you like wanting to immerse yourself with like the music scene as well well yeah it's funny I feel like I felt part of this tiny little scene in Cheltenham that was like centered around Badlands records and like there was a few local bands that were good and like I felt part of that and then moving away to Liverpool I didn't really think too much about it I spent like I guess I feel like I spent mostly most of my university time just trying my best to get a passing grade. I worked really hard. I ended up getting a 2-1. Okay, yeah. It isn't great, but it's not, you know, it's not bad. Um, I'd say, well, it's like second. So if it's not great, then it's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really, I kept playing drums and stuff. I played in this like soul covers band a bit like i suppose it was a bit like the commitment you know you know that you know that film that yeah yeah it was just like a bunch of idiot you know white music students trying to play <laughs> soul covers well they were the famous ones so everyone knew it so it was you know played it a couple of you know shows at a pub a student pub most weekends that kind of thing yeah, were you drumming with that? Yeah, yeah. So that was like, that was actually, I forget I, di- I did that. You know, it's totally uncool. Who gives a shit about this crappy band? But, you know, I loved it. <laughs> I bet. Like, like, imagine drumming to those incredible songs every weekend. Yeah. Like, proper learning, like, your chops there as well. Like, not to say that you hadn't already learned, but, like, going from, like, playing with music with these two people that you're so comfortable with, you've, like, grown up jamming and then you've, like, gone into writing your own tunes to, like, all these people that, all these new people and you're just, right, like, playing along to these classic songs. Yeah. And, yeah, it felt, like, yeah, it felt really good to do. Everyone was happy with what I was doing. Because these were, like, music students and I'm... I wasn't a technical mm. I'd had like five lessons like when I was I just turned 14 or something and my mum for my birthday bought me like a set of five lessons and that's all I'd had and everything else was just like learning to play with your mates which yeah. I, think, I think that's pretty pivotal to be honest for me in terms of 
you know, you can give a shit about technique way too much and then you lose whatever characteristics you might have just developed naturally. That's the, that's, that's a worry that can happen. I find. Mm, Yeah. um, Yeah. So yeah, playing these amazing soul tunes is a complete like shit untechnical drummer but just like the sheer love of music is what gets you you know through the song i suppose but like you're saying like um that you're playing with these people that like technically like with theory like very good musicians and they're all like loving what you're doing but that to me is like them like you know i'm sure that they've played with like so many drummers that are like technically very good like whatever that but like theoretically very good but like maybe they're not making those songs like as fun to play because those songs like those songs on a Saturday night when you're playing a cover set shouldn't be like obviously there are some people that are incredible with theory that know how a song should be played but like some of them especially if you're a 20 year old might think like, no, like I really want to play it to how it's like, how I can see it written down to be played where like, I'm sure you're just like pushing the band on to be playing how the room is making you feel the song should be played. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as a drummer, I was all about feel. I mean, I could read music, you know, I was good at theory, but I didn't have any drum technique to speak of. So it was Mm. all, by ear yeah and um I guess also it's funny it's probably worth explaining uh so Liverpool University the music department um even nobody plays pop or rock it wasn't okay there was no like there were no other drummers there it was basically a classical course and you could decide to do a study like half of the half of it can be a study in pop music but that wasn't to do with playing and I that was pretty vital for me because I having spent 10 years of playing classical training where where like teachers conductors you know somebody tells you no you're playing it wrong you have to do it this way and it's like sheer like pressure you're just sat there going, oh, my God, oh, my God, I have to play this right, oh, my God, and being judged for every note you make. Mm. It was very important for me to not have that judgment with things like drums, guitar, you know, the stuff that wasn't classical. I was adamant that I wouldn't do it if I felt judged. So going to Liverpool University, I could do the – it was half classical, so I studied – Western art music, uh, did a bassoon recital, and then the other half was uh, basically studying pop music, history of um, popular music, basically since the beginning of recorded sound. So what is that, like early 1900s? Amazing. I'll probably stand corrected, but it was like fascinating. I didn't have to play a single note. I could just learn about pop music history, you know, the birth of the teenager, you know, rock and roll, yeah. you know, all the, you know, the, the whitewashing of all the um, black artists and, yeah. you know, 
everything to do with that and fascinating that's so incredible yeah. i was like um which i guess ties into like obviously liverpool is like a city um maybe not always in the best way i'd imagine like for some people growing up being musicians in liverpool but like defined by like the beatles but yeah. like i was listening to this thing where it's like so interesting pop music where i think the guy's called nick Lowe, but i might be wrong oh. but he's like i was a songwriter he wrote like what's so funny about peace love and understanding that yeah, was, yeah yeah elvis yeah. costello made famous so i was listening to a yeah. podcast earlier and he said that like his first record deal they like got torn up basically because he was like, oh, we're no, we're like, don't need session musicians to play our songs. Like, we're going to play our songs. And he was saying, like, before the Beatles, everything was played. Like, you'd write the song, but it was played by session musicians. Yeah. And then, like, after the Beatles, it all came out that, like, you know, after the White Album, it was like, oh, like, all these pop bands that you love, like, they don't play. And then it was, like, kind of taboo to do that. But it's, like, so interesting that up until, like, 1960, like, every single record is, like, not played by the band that's wrote it. And obviously like lots of bands don't write their songs as well, but like that was just so interesting. And I'm sure that there's so much incredible like history that you must've learned about like, yeah, because it's with pop music. It's just incredible. Yeah. It is. There's so much of it as well, obviously. Um, yeah. It was so interesting to be in Liverpool and learn about the Beatles and, you weren't quite sure what was just local pride and what was actually, oh, shit, so the Beatles changed everything. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you did learn about it in you know, in terms of their their place, you know, the time and the place that they, were, you know, what happened to them. And it's like, you know, Sergeant Peppers was, you know, that changed everything, everything. And it's like... You know, the people that, being in Liverpool, people are so proud of the Beatles, and rightfully so. Oh, my God. I don't think I purposefully put on one single Beatles record or song in my entire time that I was there, but I heard it every day. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I love the Beatles. You you, you can't not. But, um, so, yeah, it was funny being at Liverpool University I was able to just like do what I had to do to be in the music department and I could play drums in this funny covers band. And then like, because oh, um, just as an aside, like Lippa was just down the road. Literally you could walk to Lippa, you know, the, you know, Paul McCartney's Performing Arts Institute. Oh, okay. That was opened 96 or something. I don't know when that, I can't remember. But yeah. that was like, there were so many people who had auditioned to try and to get into that pretty prestigious Performing Arts University. And um, so many people didn't get in and ended up going to Liverpool University. Everyone had a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hilarious I was like I, I, I and I quickly formed like a I don't give a shit about performing arts students I was so like fuck that you know the mentality of like I'm gonna show off and like show you how good I am all the time I was like it really put my nose out of joint <laughs> 
So it was funny, the last year of being at uni, uh, me and a couple of mates, we started a band and we purposefully, like I didn't play drums. I was like, oh yeah, I'm normally a drummer, but uh, I'll play guitar. And then Morgan is one of the most amazing guitar players I've ever played with. He was like, well, I guess I, I know a bit of drums. I'll play the drums. And then Taryn was like, uh, I have never played bass before, but I really want to have a go. So we started this band uh, in our last year, I think it was. And uh, we had to get drunk to play a practice, to even practice. <laughs> we were like, I don't know. What, what are we even meant to be doing? I don't know. And it was, the, you know, the classic student union um, uh practice rooms that were shit but there was one one practice room in the basement of this huge student union and like all the equipment was shit but you could fucking just go whenever you wanted and make a racket yeah so again it was like another let's put ourselves in a position where we're not afraid of fucking up and making mistakes and we basically learned to play you know, I learned to play guitar and sing at the same time. I thought I couldn't do that. And like, yeah. So yeah. Uh, so that band started. We played our first show in November of '99. It was that was. I guess I have to say the name Flamingo Fifty. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Because that that was around for a, was was that around for a few years? Yeah. The band. Yeah. yeah. That was around until I moved to Bristol. So that was till. Uh, 2008 is that right? amazing because the record was re-released a few years ago right yeah yeah um this uh is a, a label over here in the states called rad girlfriend records and they just they were like hey we love flamingo 50 we want to put this this uh want to put this record out on on vinyl and we were like i think it was just me at the time fielding the Building the message, I was like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." <laughs> yeah, <What>? why not? <laughs> That's Josh. Yeah, Josh and Brandy, nice, real nice folks. Yeah, that's cool. And yeah, so after uni, like, stuck around in Liverpool, carried on playing in that band where you like learned, like, really honed. Well, whether it felt like it, did you feel like you really honed that 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 place down in like playing guitar? singing yeah uh i learned i learned how to play shows with flamingo 50 how to basically play diy shows yeah and like yeah how to how to write a song i suppose for how to write a song for our particular group of three people yeah yeah i learned pretty much how to play guitar and sing in a three piece in a punk DIY three piece and how to write songs for that. Yeah. So you'd all met on the course, had you? Yeah, basically. And were you all going to shows like DIY shows in Liverpool at the time, or did you start this band and then you found where this band like really fit in, in the city? Yeah. It was those shows. Yeah. The last thing you said, yes. Like that's, it was, uh, I hadn't, I mean, I'd had a bit of a taste of like 
indie DIY stuff in Cheltenham. Yeah. But it wasn't until really I'd finished, you know, got to the end of my university course. I'd finished it. You know, we, we formed the band and we, we played like band society shows. You know, students kind of keep themselves to themselves sometimes, don't they? They don't like branch out. And I guess we yeah. didn't much until, until we, yeah, we had just finished and we were like, well, I guess we'll carry on playing shows because we'd, I can't remember what the, you know, what the first few shows outside of the band society were, but we quickly, because we decided to, we separately, we all decided we were going to stay in Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that summer when we graduated, I felt like my life really started then in terms of didn't have to worry about university and I could just live in the city, play in this band, you know, work my day job, whatever that was going to be. I hadn't figured it out. Still kind of haven't, but whatever. Um, (laughs) And basically the place I was living in was pretty horrible. It was like, there was rats everywhere, no heating. Like it was dirt cheap, but you could walk into the, and you could walk anywhere in the city from that location. Yeah. And, um, I just went out every single night to any show I could possibly go to. Me and me and my mates, like me, Morgan, and Paul, who I lived with, and uh, we were in a band as well. So I was in a band playing drums with them as well. Oh, cool. And so, yeah, we got to know the actual Liverpool scene and and all of the scenes in Liverpool and you know all the students left and we stayed and we just kept going to everything I loved that summer it was incredible we went to everything and we quickly (laughs) were like asked to play shows and we said yes to everything and it like it was amazing one one night you'd see um this Liverpool psych band, um, oh, what the fuck were they called? Clang or something? Shit, I've forgotten. There's this amazing psych, psychedelic art scene in Liverpool. We were kind of partially involved in that. There's this amazing DIY hardcore scene, punk hardcore. We were kind of partially involved in that. There was like... There's just so much going on, but Liverpool at the time was so small and everyone had to go to everything. So it wasn't like divided off into like cliques of scenes and stuff. Everyone yeah. had everything. And it was fucking amazing, actually, I will say. Yeah, that sounds amazing. That, that sounds so cool. So cool. And then, yeah, you like found. So you, do you think like that summer you found like what you were doing in the city for the next five years until you you left. Yeah. Like I didn't, we didn't, I didn't really think about what I was going to be doing. Yeah. I was just like, well, I just want to stay in my main priority is to stay in this friendship group and really get involved in everything that's happening on the underground, I suppose you'd say in Liverpool and like the older Liverpool scene, you know, like, it was just 
kind of there as well. Like, you know, like the Lars fans like that, um, Shaq fans like that. Um, they're really, they were really close to what we were doing as well. It was so weird. Like the old, I'm going to call it the old guard, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything seemed so accessible. And so like, you know, sort of just, you know, there and easy to kind of be a part of if you just showed up, you know? Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Amazing. And were you like, so were you being like, so was Liverpool a good city for like tours coming through? So when you were going to shows, you were really like, oh, like this band's wicked. Like, is this a fit? And then obviously that promoter's like putting on s- stuff regularly and that's another part of, and then they start putting on like Flamingo 50. And then yeah. you're like, cool, this is part of like this thing that you're doing here. There's also other promoters around the country doing it as well. Yeah, so exactly. And the first tour that we went on, um, we booked via phone calls and letters, I think, and maybe some emails, because there was, out of the, you know, the fanzine, the the DIY, the, the punk scene, Fracture, do you know? Oh, okay. Um, I've, 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 never, I've never had one. I'd never but I've, I've seen the name around before. So like Morgan, he would always get Maximum Rock and Roll, Fracture, all these things. And so Fracture was the UK one. And in the back, yeah. they had like names and addresses, contact details of all the DIY promoters in the UK. And that's how we booked our first tour. Amazing. Yeah. Um, off the back of, I can't remember... I think if I remember it rightly, it could be this. So we played, we were friends with like the probe records lot. So again, another scene that it's main, one of its hubs was the record shop. And it, that was probe records. What an amazing place. Classic, you know, walk in, you know, like greeted. If probably <laughs> normally greeted with a grunt, you know, Brilliant, yeah. classic records record shop uh, guys in there, but I they seemed to really. I think they'd seen me play a couple of times or something. Anyway, they seemed to like respect me, and I would go in there, spend a few hours flicking through. You know, I'd ask to ask to ask them to play something, and I would buy it if I liked it. You know, that kind of that kind yeah. of thing, uh, and then. So I think we played, I think we supported La Tigra once, I think, in in Labato, basement of liquidation. Sadly, not there anymore. This awesome club in Liverpool I'd go to, we'd go to all the time. Yeah. So basically, we had this great support with La Tigra. Can you believe it? Kathleen Hannah right. was so awesomely, she was so nice to me. She was like, came over, introduced herself, shook my hand, basically said, thank you for playing with us. And I was like, (laughs) this is a dream come true, you know. Anyway, so from that, I think we got a, uh, we were asked to play Glasgow Lady Fest, Um, the first Lady Fest outside of the US. Yeah. 
that was so we were like shit it's in glasgow how, how are we going to get there <laughs> what, what glasgow you know that's far away <laughs> i think i don't know if we i think we played we played manchester before or something anyway we booked a tour around getting to glasgow and back cool out of the back of fracture yeah and um it was amazing we met so many cool people in fact one of the bands took us on our first um french tour they were like oh, amazing. we really like you guys why don't you come and tour with us in france and we were like are you fucking kidding me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like the basically it's classic the more we played the more people asked us to do stuff it was amazing and like you know i've that's just the way that you do it. And it still seems the way you do it. And it's the way I keep doing things. Just say yeah. yes, more stuff will come your way. Um, so, yeah, played played France. Realized, actually playing, like doing the French tour, that was life-changing. Got into drinking coffee. Can you believe it? There you go. Uh, like I realized that in every town, there was there's a group of DIY punk people, and that yeah. was amazing to realise. Yeah, it is so cool and special, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I I came back from that for from the the, the first French tour. Life changed. I was like, what? I have to go back to work. I was working in H and B at the time. I think it was H and B. To back into retail, you know, even if it, because even though it was like a cool music shop, it was still like nobody gives a shit. It was such a shock to like <laughs> get back. You're like, I've just, I was, I've just been on tour. <laughs> yeah. Go, and now I'm here. What? Are you kidding me? I have to, I have to work right now. <laughs> so that was, uh, so that, you know, I realised that. Oh, you do have to do work and play music especially if you're doing diy <laughs> yeah yeah but that's just amazing and like to think and like to remember how like formative that experience was of like and like going over to france and just realizing that like you're able to like ring up numbers off the back of a page and get yourself down to kent and then once you get to france you've got these people like that just saw your band and said like let's yo you come to france like this is so cool kind of it's it's just amazing isn't it like someone being like oh like play this fest that i'm doing in glasgow and you say yeah and then like you know six months down the line you're like at work thinking like with this changed thought process of maybe like the possibilities of what you can do yeah The, the yeah it was incredible uh and um so and then you just kept on playing until um w- w- do you, till you till you left liverpool yeah like i was i was playing drums in a couple of bands uh grand state classic you know that's um uh marco and so that's like a classic liverpool uh emo band from back in the day uh 
<laughs> well, I was playing drums in a few bands um, and carried on doing Flamingo 50. And I kind of, I was in a, I was in a bit of a relationship situation whereby my girlfriend didn't want me to keep wasting time doing stuff that wasn't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, it was a hard time because I had to decide to do, she wanted me to do less music basically, which, you know, obviously yeah. now I know is a complete mistake for me. You live and learn. So yeah. we ended up, so I, we ended up moving to Bristol. I think she got a job. That's the thing. I moved down with my girlfriend at the time to Bristol, even though I was like, this doesn't feel right. Like, I'm, you know, giving up music right now. What the hell's going on? This doesn't feel right. I guess I'll do it anyway. I don't know. And then um, we ended up splitting up almost as soon as we'd moved to Bristol. And I loved I we'd, we'd been playing in Bristol a few times obviously I've been there a couple of times when I lived in you know near Gloucester yeah yeah I like Bristol I think maybe it'd be nice to go to after you know you know maybe one day I'll move there that kind of idea and then I ended up moving there because my girlfriend at the time got a job we split up and the oh my god being in Bristol from the first week onwards I was like in two bands as soon as I got there. <laughs> I bumped into everyone I knew. It was only a handful of people, but uh, Cafe Kino was just opposite the road I was living on. Um, it was in a slightly yeah. different location to where it is now. Amazing vegan cafe and restaurant. Awesome collective. Uh, good co-op. So, uh, and I kind of walked in there and I knew Rosie, who was happened to be behind the counter. She was basically involved in the UK Lady Fest stuff. Yeah. And she was like, Lou, what are you doing here? I was like, I just moved here. And then, boom, <laughs> I had like all these people that I knew from like different, playing different shows. I was like, oh my God, Bristol is, Bristol seemed so good. When I had a particularly rough time of like, oh my God, what am I doing? I've just split up with you know, my long-term partner, shit, I think I've, what have I done here? And then Bristol was like, immediately, it felt like my place. Oh, that's so cool. It was amazing. Yeah, I was like playing in, um, playing drums in this new band, Yoshi, we were called, with uh, Matt, who is Team Brick. He's in Beak with a couple of chaps from, his head I believe and like oh wow all that avenue opened up as well mm. I was playing in this like out country band with my friend uh Chris from from Liverpool and he had just moved back down to Bristol he came he came from Bristol and I guess like me he'd spent a decade or more in Liverpool so I knew him from bands up there and he was like why don't you come and jump in my band we've just started up again I'm like oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah and then uh and and just also just down the road from where i lived was the croft this is so i lived on stokes croft just off off there uh when i first moved there 
and the craft was there. Now uh, all the people involved in the craft are now the exchange, basically. Yeah. You know, that awesome place in Bristol. Uh, so, and of course, I was at the craft. I, I think I went to see um, some band from Manchester. Oh, my God. I'm so bad at remembering <laughs> all the names. Uh, and then, of course, would you believe I met Dave Brent? <laughs> there you go. There you go. And uh, so, obviously, he was involved in the dead punk stuff, still is, obviously. Shout out to Dave. Love you, Dave. Um, Dave Campbell now, obviously. Uh, and uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't want to, you know, I just had a band where I played guitar and, you know, kind of feel a bit like, oh, I split that up and I just want to play drums for a bit. And he was like, well, I'm a drummer, so can't do that. So why don't you come and, uh, well, why don't we form a band? Uh, my mate Mike wants to play bass. Okay, I've booked a practice room next week. <laughs> and I was like, fucking <laughs> classic Dave. And I <laughs> love him for that. He, like, so we formed Caves, basically, from that like from being I was in Bristol for I don't know a month or something and then we started jamming it out fucking brilliant that is so cool yeah. I like I'd I'd love to I feel like at this point um like if we go if we're like oh cool like let's push on let's talk about caves then like that's another like we should definitely do uh, if you'd like to I'd love to do like a part two where we can like yeah. push on to that I'd like like I'd love um because there's just so much to talk about i'm sure yeah um um yeah because but that is so cool that like you know like you were saying in in liverpool like you know i'm sure that you could be dropped in like anywhere and then by the end of the week like you're in like four bands <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounds like yeah. like liverpool you're like yeah i was just like oh and then like you just keep on saying oh and i was also playing in this band and then i yeah, and then I was doing this, and then I started like you know filling in for a friend, and then <laughs> just this magnetism of like people wanting to like play music with you, and like you wanting to play music with them. It's amazing. Yeah, it's funny. I guess I don't know. I feel like I don't know. If it, I haven't really thought about that, but um, like. I guess with when it's the only thing you give a shit about doing. Yeah. And especially when you're in your early twenties, you know, it just, and that, that's all I did. I was like, I only give a shit about playing music and feeling like I'm part of this music community. And, um, but I didn't even have to think about it. I just, did it it was the only thing i wanted to do yeah i mean you you said like oh and in your early 20s but like has that that has that changed because i mean you play a lot of music now it's not changed no uh yeah it's sort of i do like if i feel like i'm not that if 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 i feel like my life isn't set up to do that or if i'm not successfully doing that I feel like something's wrong like oh shit I need to change something here and it what's what can I you know what can I do and it's funny 
perspective is funny because I feel like I haven't really been that person in Philly, but actually I kind of have. <laughs> I guess the thing is I've tried to be more professional in terms of I want to be, I've chosen to want to be like more of a hired hand. Yeah. Um, since I could, I realized that I actually could do it. And, oh, I can play parts written by other people. And so that was like learning Rachel Rubino's parts in Warriors songs taught me that. I mean, I played yeah. them as best as I could, but holy shit, Rachel is an absolute shredder, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. well, I'll play, as, I'll play what I can, you know, I'll play as close as possible to how she plays, which I cannot play like her, obviously. There's only one Rachel Rubino, as we all know. Um, but that like taught me I can actually play guitar for other people. I always thought I could only play guitar from songs I'd written or my band. Yeah. So that was a good lesson to learn. Uh, so yeah, when I moved to the States, I spent a couple of months before I got a job, just sat trying to learn Rachel's parts. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I guess I've been trying to do that ever since. And um, it's going pretty well, actually. But, you know, it, it, it's meant I've been able to do much less of my own creativity, I suppose. Yeah. Is there a sometimes where, yeah, how is playing, like, touring with a band regularly and feeling like, uh, are you in any bands where you're part of, you are in the band at the moment. Oh yeah. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean I have much creative input. Um, like, I mean, I mean, Katie Allen, I mean, I do have creative input, you know, I write, I write bass parts and like play, uh, and write, uh, backing vocals, you know, I guess that's like, you know, one of Anika's projects. Um, yeah. And I am in Thin Lips, um, but Thin Lips is Chrissy Tajan, the okay. legend that is. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Kyle, obviously, shout out. Um, and they are the creative force of that band. Uh, yeah. So there isn't much room for my creative input. And, I, and there kind of shouldn't be, you know, I'm a fan of Thin Lips, you know, and yeah, yeah. Blue from Caves isn't that, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. the way I play, what I bring to it isn't necessarily what creates a Thin Lips record. You know, I've written like some harmonies and stuff, some vocal harmonies and, you know, I play rhythm guitar in that band. It's not um, what I would play, you know, Caves is a three piece like, yeah, you know, a loose punk band. That's almost completely opposite to Thin Lips. <laughs> and, and like, it's, I feel amazed that I've actually, that I'm actually in that band. Because it's, there's such a, a high level of musicianship in that band. High, like, you know, tight, tight practices. You know, it's like, it's so... I feel so proud to be able to be in that band. Um, it's not necessarily something I 
bring my creative input to, you know, respectfully on everyone's side. You know, I'm, I totally understand why that isn't the case. You know, I've almost chosen to like keep my creativity out of it, really, actually. Yeah. And then that's part of it as well, because, you know, if, if it was someone else in that practice room when it was going through a song that was like yet to be recorded, that song would, that song would come out differently because it's someone else in that room, whether like, no matter how it is, do you know, like, you know, I guess like not to be too deep, but it's like butterfly effect really, isn't it? But Mm. like, also I'm sure that like, there's just things that, you know, and I'm, you know, maybe there's time. Yeah. Like when you're thinking, Oh, what about this? But nah, nah, just like they've got this, they've got this. And then there's times where you're like, Oh, I'd like just play this little cool thing. And then that ends up evolving or it doesn't, but because it doesn't, it's because they heard, you know, like, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know more. And I would be very, it'd be really interesting, like, if um, your band members in that band, like, listen to this and be like, oh, that's like an interesting way about it. But I think it's so cool to see, like, that, like, to see that from, like, far afar, like, you becoming that, like, awesome member of the band like a band, a member of this like awesome band and like you being like so excited about like your restraint in it. If restraint's the right word, it's, it's not really the right word, but I hopefully it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. Um, it's like knowing when to uh, sit back and be part of the group. And, you know, it's like for the song's sake, it's not about you showing off about what you can do you know, to yeah. like making the music that is right for that particular band and being sensitive to that. Uh, like, and I feel like it's worth saying, I can only justify doing that if I've got my own creative stuff going on elsewhere, I think. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I've always had to like tick a load of boxes. Like in Liverpool, I was in four bands, you know, two of which were drums. Had to be in both of those because that style was really important to me. That's the, and the other style was really important to me had to be in Flamingo 50. Cause you know, that was my creative soul, you know, and yeah. um, sure. I was in another band forgetting what it was now. Maybe it was just three. <laughs> uh, so like at the moment, and because I guess caves aren't really doing much. Uh, Cause uh, you know, obviously Minty's in Bristol and I'm over here. And I had like I had to wait to get my green card through, and travel was difficult for like last year kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, so sort of I'm able to do that less, and I respect the writing process between me and Minty so much that I'm not just going to write a caves record and carry on caves over here. That's yeah, it wouldn't be right, I think. Um, but anyway, I've been writing my own stuff basically since January um this year yeah so like i am basically doing a solo record at the moment and i haven't i hadn't realized how really important that was to me in terms of feeling like i'm doing the right thing uh, oh that's so amazing it's so amazing to hear like how both like how you're everything like your your life like quote unquote 
is like you know like you, the job that you have the like place that you live is like based around wanting to play music as much as you want but like and obviously but because but it's just like it just sounds like it's like that's you it's just you in such a way that like obviously i'm sure we both have a lot of friends that that is the case but with you it just i don't know it's just amazing like in a way that i couldn't put my finger on um <laughs> like gushing here but like it's just so cool that like it's just like you've said like everywhere it's just been like doesn't feel right when maybe you have those moments where you're like oh maybe I'll pull back and then it's like no it just doesn't feel right and then it doesn't and then but then you like jump back in and it's just amazing yeah uh it's funny Philly is such a massive place full like as you know as you are full aware full of the, the most creative, amazing music and musicians, like in whatever, I don't know even what scene you'd call it, but like it's it's overwhelming how many people are in the best bands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You know? Um, and I feel, sometimes I feel, just because there's so much of it, it's easy to feel on the outside of that because a lot of people grew up in, you know, Philly or the surrounding counties. Yeah. And um, Philly is their city. Like, for example, if you know, saying I grew up in Cheltenham, Gloucester, Bristol would be that place to me where you feel so at home, so like part of the scene from like childhood almost. So that is you know, uh, Philly is full in terms of, you know, full to bursting with, like, the best bands, the best people, the best musicians. And I feel like it's, it is hard to feel like I'm able to break into that. But, you know, I got a good, a good, uh, such a good tight friendship group. and. And right now it is funny because I'm in West Philly. South Philly seems so far away right now. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so, yeah, I feel like I haven't seen a lot of people. But then there's, you know, if this was not pandemic times, there's so much going on. You can't possibly go and see everything you need to. In in terms of if I uh, compare it to my Liverpool days, yeah you'd be lucky if there was one show or two shows in one week you know you would i could i could have gone to everything the city it was small you know is huge in comparison you know you could you know on any given friday there'd be four or five shows that would be the most amazing thing to go to so it, it is hard to feel like properly in in you know embedded in that so yeah it's it's funny it's amazing overwhelming but amazing (laughs) yeah oh but um yeah does it does it feel does it feel like home philly would you say for you now well that's a tough one because i always compare it to bristol 
Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Crystal Cup is like my home in terms of I just feel, you know, like I just feel like I've it's it's a level of understanding mm. that I have for the place and the people there from yeah. growing up in the southwest England, you know. But, you know, there's a reason I'm in Philly and it's like it is the place I want to be right now. Yes. That's so yeah, that's amazing. that's so cool. Yeah. I'm really glad like, to hear that. As like yeah. a friend that lives so far away and like like I said at the start, like seeing you is so few and far, far, far between. It's always been nice those times where, you know, like we get to catch up for like 25 minutes. It's just like that, like you're like, every time I see you, you're like more just like stoked on like everything about it. <laughs> yeah. it's Life's a funny old game in it really. But uh, <laughs> I think... I've been, um, yeah, I, I did have to, I did have a lot of questions in myself about whether I should stay in the States, you know, was it, is this really what I should be doing? But really in terms of, you know, it just comes back to what I, you know, what I said earlier, if I, if I'm making music, playing music and it's like, I'm able to just do that, that's, it's still my main driving force. Yeah. And, you can do more of it in the States in terms yeah. of, you know, the opportunity is just bigger and therefore more of it, more bands, more places to play. Uh, I mean, who knows what's going to happen going forward, as they say. Hopefully things <laughs> will reopen, but, you know, everyone's just got to be a bit patient, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this still feels like the right place I should be uh you know to further my musical career i will say even though it doesn't feel like anything's happening at the moment that's amazing and like i said like i'd love to do another one i'd love to hear about like how it feels like from like your first u.s tours which i might were your first u.s tours with caves mm-hmm. or was it yes. did flamingo 50 go out there we did we did do a weekend in new york oh, um, amazing I wouldn't count that as my first touring experience in the States. <laughs> yeah. That was more yeah. just like a weekend where we didn't go to sleep and played like three shows in one night and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, but, uh, yeah, first tour in the States was Caves and Sundials. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, I'd love to we, – we should uh, get in depth about – stuff like that and like how it is like how how the difference is for you as a person like touring the states now Mm. as someone that like knows that they're not a nine hour flight on the way home from it and also like 30 tours of the u.s in at this point or something but um yeah thank you so much for this conversation it's been like so so much fun yeah i'm Um, very uh what's it called appreciative and amazed that you would even want to have me on (laughs) (laughs) thank you
there you go i told you that conversation was great that's lou hopefully we'll have a part two at some point in the near future this tune is by flamengo 50 it's called first in line enjoy <laughs> <laughs> 